Welcome to the Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast where we discuss all things compounding and all things concerning independent pharmacy. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Delisio, North American Sales Director, and Sebastian Dennison, Clinical Compounding Pharmacist. Welcome, Compounding World, and welcome to the latest episode of a Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. This is Mike Delisio, joined as always with Sebastian Dennison. Seb, how are you? Really good. How are you, Mike? We're good. Um, I'm really happy because we have the opportunity to interview a friend, someone yeah. who someone who we've known for quite some time, um, almost 11 years, myself personally, and uh, someone who is also known within the industry because he's been a member of PCCA since 2000, was recognized as the Canadian Compounding Pharmacist of the Year in 2011, and has spoken for PCCA specifically in the U.S. and in Canada. Since the early 2000s. Yeah, several times. And um, nevertheless, I definitely want to introduce this individual because he definitely requires an introduction. But oh, hang on, because he is going to open up your mind. Yeah, he, he, he will. does it with everyone. As soon as you hear him talk, it's like, oh, I can do that? And how do I do that? And it's just, oh, epic, epic. Yeah, but enough about that. Uh, we'd like to welcome officially to the podcast from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, Dennis Wong. Good morning, guys. Thank you for inviting me to the podcast. This is an exciting time to share all these different information that uh, we have out there. No, Dennis, I, I appreciate it. Your Your journey has always been fascinating to me. I've had a chance to get to know you over the last decade and... Uh, it, it always blew me away in terms of some of the things that you've invested in, in regards to your own education, how you've managed to parlay that to your patients. The business that you've built in Winnipeg is, is truly amazing. Um, I mentioned that you joined PCCA in 2000, and I know you were exposed to a lot of amazing compounding pharmacists when you did join. I, I love hearing your stories about the early days. I want our listeners to also hear about some of those stories as well. So I, enough of me talking. I'd uh, love to hear more about you. What got you started within pharmacy and when you joined PCCA? And what was that journey like? Sure. Um, it's an interesting journey, actually, and it's actually a good one. When I was in university, I actually don't know anything about pharmacy. I, my goal was to go into medicine. And when I was in grade 12, I told everybody I'm going to be brain surgeon because I love doing cutting in the biology class. I love cutting animals and things, and I enjoyed it. And when I got into first year university, one of my brother who wanted to be a pharmacist encouraged me to apply for it. And I said, no, I'm not doing it. And he literally filled out their pharmacy application form and asked me to sign it and he handed it in. And I got into pharmacy, he didn't. He's an electrical engineer now. And so when I get into pharmacy, I still have this mindset that, you know what? I wanna do something with the medicine, not just dispense it. And so when I came out, graduated, I actually refused to walk in the city. I in my mind was if I go to small town, I can have a better relationship with the physician and the patient, then I can do, you know, better uh, healthcare and providing service. So I went out to Winkler, Manitoba, and it's a Mennonite community back in 1990. It was a tough move for me. Uh, I appreciated what I've learned there with a you know, customer service patient relationship because it was a big learning curve. You know, now they the same thing, right? Every new pharmacist coming out, the school's teaching about all these clinic and staff. And we all come up with this big idea. I'm gonna go out and tomorrow I'm gonna change patients' life. Well, the first thing is you gotta build a relationship. I learned a hard way in Winkler because I started talking to them about their medication and whatever. And they look at me and say, who's this Chinese kid that telling me that he knows more than me about my blood pressure medication? I'm not gonna listen to him. My doctor tell me I have to take it, I'm taking it, period. 
So after three to six months there, actually patients do not, they don't want to talk to me anymore because they think I ask too many questions. So after nine months, I learned it, but I did too much already that nobody wants me there. So I came back to the city, couldn't get the full-time job. I actually had to work as a holiday coverage pharmacist for a year with Metro Drugs. So I went to different store all over the city. And then when a year up, I didn't have a full-time position. I was panicking. What am I going to do? But then they gave me a full-time job. And then after they saw me working a full-time position for three months, there was a position open again in one of the store as a pharmacy manager. So they offered me that. So I jumped at it. I'm like, you know, from only working holiday coverage and within three months, after a year and within three months, they think that you're good enough to be a pharmacy manager. Hey, why not? So I took it. Worked with them for two years. And I was busy at the, one of the busiest stores. I fought for computer. Computer was just starting. I fought for computer. Metro Truck wouldn't uh, invest in computer for me. So shoppers came knocking on my door. So I jumped at shoppers. And then Metro Truck came back in and said, well, buy your computer, stay. I said, no. I left. Worked with shoppers for three years. That's why I learned a little bit about compounding because my ex-boss, who's my classmate also, he's one of the one in Winnipeg that got into compounding with PCCA. And that's how I found about the PCCA. But then at the end of my career in shoppers, I was ready to move on because corporate rules, I've learned enough to you know, talk to patients and care for them. And corporate rules sort of start tying my hand down that I cannot spend the time that I need to and I want to with the patient. And so I, after I got married with Cindy, I told Cindy, I said, I either open up my own pharmacy or I'm gonna quit pharmacy totally. I'm gonna go back to university and become a computer, computer programmer. She said, don't quit. Just stick to it because you never lose your job in pharmacy. So I started planning behind the scene just in case if she doesn't, you know, want to get into business, I won't do it. So she said, you can do it yourself. I said, no, I'm not. Either both of us in or we're both out. So I started, you know, dreaming about it, drawing up ideas and stuff. And then within six months, she actually got laid off from uh, Walmart because she was working for Walmart uh, nursing home division. And after she got laid off, Jerry uh, Rexall Pharma Plus bought the nursing home. So she got hired by Jerry nursing home division in Winnipeg. And Walmart had 13 nursing home that sold to Rexall. Before they had three full-time pharmacists managing that 13 uh, nursing home. When they sold it, Rexall only hired Cindy. So Cindy become one pharmacist managing 13 Ooh. nursing home. So she got really, really stressed. Sorry, it's a little bit of a long story. I just wanted to tell you how we got into our own our pharmacy and why we do what we do. So one of the weekend on Sunday, Cindy was on call. They take the pager, that time was no cell phone, it's pager. So she took the pager that Sunday as we're leaving the house in the morning to go to church, she got paged. So she went back into the house and called the nursing home saying, okay, I got paged. And they said, yeah, we have one of the palliative care patient ran out of morphine. We need morphine ASAP. And there's no refill on the prescription. So Cindy has to page palliative care doctor on call. Took her an hour to get a hold of the doctor. When we got hold of the doctor, doctor said, yeah, I just got home from a branch. Come get the prescription at my condo. And he left across town. And it take about, without the rush hour, it take about 45 minutes for us to go across town. And so we were ready to go grab the prescription. As we were leaving, Cindy got paged again. So Cindy went to 
call the nurses and say, okay, I just got a hold of the doctor. I'm about to leave and go to get the prescription and bring the morphine in for the patient. And the nurse on the other side said, don't bother, the patient died. So Cindy got totally silenced. She started crying and then looked at me and said, if we have our own pharmacy, what would you do in this situation? I said, I'll take the morphine to the patient first. So she looked at me and she said, when can you open? I said, give me a month. Because I got everything on the, in my head, on my drawing board. I'm ready to go. So I started contacting wholesaler. I started contacting drug reps. I trying to find out who's the, you know, the one that built pharmacy in uh, Winnipeg. And I actually, we actually literally found the location. I went to find a nice, you know, big busy street strip mall location. And at that time, all the independent pharmacy was shutting down. So the landlord after agreeing on the rent refused to sign the lease with me because one of his friends was a, a independent owner that just sold his pharmacy after 40 years to Safeway and said, don't give him a lease. He's going to go on within three months. So we found a little strip mall with 10 foot wide storefront that nobody can do anything. So I jumped in and I told them I'm going to put the pharmacy. And then they looked at me and laughed and said, if you can put the pharmacy in, this is yours. Within a month, we built four service pharmacy. When I said full service, literally full service, not just dispensary and vitamins. I got diapers, I got baby formulas, I got batteries, I got feminine pets, and I got a private counseling room in there. 10 foot wide, 50 feet deep. And my pharmacy dispensary was sideways. And that's how we started it. And then the area that we're in got all the babies. And when we started, everybody said, are you sure? We said, yeah, nobody's there. We're the only pharmacy, so we're gonna go in there. So we, after a year, Walmart opened up behind us and everybody, the whole industry in Manitoba said, Dennis Tenson is gonna go down. And then a year later, Costco opened up, Safeway opened up, Sobe opened up and everybody said, Dennis and Cindy is done. Well, guess what? This coming November, we will be celebrating 25th anniversary of our pharmacy. We opened uh, our pharmacy in 1997 and because we have to do all these flavoring for the kids, we were looking at, okay, what else can we do? And, you know, I know a little bit about compounding from my previous pharmacy. So I've decided to contact uh, PCC in uh, 1998 and talked to Marty at that time. And because we just started our pharmacy a couple of years before, when we heard about the membership, we got a little bit scared and we said, you know what? I don't think we have that investment at this time. So Marty keep actually talking to me every four months. He called me, I talked to him, we had a good chat. And 2001, spring, I think around uh, May or June, Marty called me and said, we really want you to be the member. You don't have to pay the membership one shot. You can pay it over six months. And I said, okay, good, I'm in. Where can I get the training? And Marty said, July, we have a basic training in Houston. I said, I'm there. So I joined in beginning of June or end of May. I flew to Houston, middle of July. And every day as I'm doing training, I got excited what I can do. And Cindy and I talk about it over the phone. Cindy's running in the pharmacy back home. And middle of the week, Lunch break, when I called Cindy, I was telling Cindy, I said, I'm learning this, you know, making liquid, whatever suspension. And she said, guess what? I said, what? She said, I got one component prescription waiting for you already. I hope you can do it. Mm -hmm. I jumped. <laughs> I said, absolutely. 
And I got excited. So I came back, I did that first compound that for the like skin boil and stuff. And we just kept going. And with that, later on, people are saying, okay, if you know so much more than other pharmacy, what else can you do? You know, we're taking so much medication. And with all that, Sydney and I actually got really sick because we got really stressed. After I joined PCCA 2001 to 2003, I was staying up until two or three in the morning because at that time, PCCA has this discussion group run by George Rand and Peter Ford and Matt Boudreaux. So every night, our pharmacy opened until nine o'clock. I got home. After I got home, I will be on my laptop reading all the discussion and all the question and all the answer. And I literally learned how to save all of those down into my computer. So every day, up to two to three in the morning, I'm doing that, reading that, learning a lot of it. And then I got more and more excited about nutrition side because Peter and George and Matt keep talking about not just compounding, but you know, vitamins and nutritional therapy. And I'm like, where can I learn this? And then PCC start having more conferences for Canada. And the first official conference was in London. And I told Cindy, I'm going there. So I went. By the way, this is one of my favorite stories of all time yeah, within so, the compounding yeah. world. So I know what you're going to say, but I, I, I can't I wait, still to, love I it. Can't wait <laughs> until, you, until you actually get to it because it's, it's so good. And I'm one of those, if you don't know me, I'm very shy. I'm very introverted. I won't talk to you. I don't even dare to come join the discussion group that, you know, in the hallway or whatever, I will stand distant and listen. That's how I am. And so when I got to the conference the first day, I looked at the crowd and I got scared. And I'm looking at, okay, where am I going to sit? And I saw the last row empty. So I literally went and sit at the last row by myself and trying to take note and speakers talking already. I'm trying to take note. And I'm like confused because I don't know anything about what he's talking about up there. And then half an hour into the, well, 15 minutes into the presentation, this older gentleman came in smoking and look around and then sit on my left side. And then another five or 10 minutes, another gentleman with glasses, chain smoking, came in, sit on my right side. Now I got two guys smoking like chimney and both sat on me. I'm like, I'm already having headache from not knowing what speaker's talking about because I'm deer in the headlight right now. Guess what? These two start discussing what the speaker's talking about and how they would do this and what else can they do this. And now I got three speaker talking in my ears at the same time. And by the time the presentation's done, I went outside, I called in and I said, I got splitting headache right now. I know nothing because I got speaker that talking about Down syndrome with nutrition. And I got two other guys, they seem to know a lot and discussing what speakers discussing, what else can they do? And I said, I need to more, we need to get to these 20 more. It, this is not good enough anymore. Before I thought in Winnipeg, Sydney and I know a lot, you know, after basic training from PCC, what the best compounder in the city. And that's what I told all the physician and I've done, started working with palliative care and all this. And then later on, I found out because in the evening, they actually invited me for dinner with them. I found out that gentleman on my left was George Ranch and gentleman on my right was Peter Ford. And the speaker that's speaking about Down syndrome was Kent McLeod. So 
that's how I got into the whole nutrition and functional medicine and what else can you do? Not even functional medicine per se, like what else can you do for the patient? How should you be caring for the patient? Because back in the day, like back at that time, it wasn't really functional medicine. It was uh, sort of complementary options and yeah. certain non-drug measures. And that's how it was discussed. And so you were kind of like, what are they talking about? Ah, this is not education I, no I got idea. in pharmacy school. Who? So and you picked it with up. That, sorry, with that, Peter Ford actually got me into more better direction on how to do nutritional and where to learn. Meantime, I'm learning a lot from him and George and Matt online with PCC uh, discussion forum. And then after that, I keep going to all the PCCA training. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of you guys mentioned that where you really learn is after the presentation in the evening at the dinner in the hallway, you follow these guys. So I've always done that and I've learned a lot and Peter Ford actually helped me a lot and teach him a lot. So another story, it's really funny story also is that, as you know, after the meeting, everybody go to the bar. This was in London that Peter was doing pain presentation with Dr. Hall Blackman. So after the you know, PCC took us out for dinner and then after everybody's came back to the hotel, Peter Ford said, who's going to the bar with me? And somehow everybody said, no, we're too tired, we're going to bed. So. Another gentleman, me and Cindy said, yes, we will. So we went into bar with Peter. We shut down the bar. And I keep drinking, trying to keep up with Peter and listening to all his compounding tricks and stuff. We went to bed at two in the morning. The next morning, I got totally drunk and hungover. I couldn't get out of bed. So Cindy went to the lecture. I was just trying to cure my headache. And I think I got into the presentation at about 10.30, I just stumbled in. And as I walked in, who's the speaker? Peter Ford. He looked up and he started laughing and pointing finger at me and said, I drank, I drank Dennis under the table last night. He's hungover. He's not functioning and start laughing at, and there's about like a hundred people in the room and everybody turned around, looked at me and I was just green. But guess what? I learned a lot. Even though I got drunk, I learned a lot about how to do methadone capsule and titrate it in that one evening. I came back, I went and talked to my palliative care group that I'm working with them and I said, I can do methadone capsule. I can differentiate different strength, different color, and I can do how to prevent people snorting methadone or any narcotic from the capsule. So I became actually outside expert for pain and symptom management for Manitoba Cancer Care. Every Thursday, they call me and said, we have this issue what can you do? So I start throwing different ideas, all of that. And then the next step was in 2004, PCC has another conference in London. This time was nutritional and complementary conference, not even compounding. We got Dr. Pam Smith. We got different, uh, we got... Uh, the thyroid guy, I can't remember his name now. Uh, uh, Dr. The Monaco? one that does a lot of the, a lot of the, the iron supplement, not iron supplement, iron supplement. Oh, it's Bernstein. okay. Yeah. And anyway, so I will start doing some hormone consult because hormone was become big in 2004. And I thought, okay, you know, I'm the only one doing hormone consult in Winnipeg because 
everybody said, Suzanne Summer said, compounding pharmacists know how to do these hormones, go talk to them. So I was already started consulting then because from a pain, non-pharmacists across Winnipeg know that I'm a pain specialist, I do consult. So they now sending hormone patient to me. So I'm like, okay, so I, I've been seeing about 12 patients a week doing hormone consult, come to PCCA, listen to Pam Smith and I'm like, I know nothing. I gotta go talk to her. So during the break, I approached and I said, Dr. Smith, I got this case that I'm working on and I done this, this, this. I'm not sure I'm on the right track after I listened to you. I don't think I know anything anymore. What should I do? Can you, you know, give me some suggestion? Because I heard she telling other people, oh, for your patient, this, do that, whatever. And so I went and presented my case to her. She looked at me after my presentation to her. She looked at me and she didn't give me any direction what to do. What she said is, your next step for this patient is you need a fellowship. I'm like, what fellowship? So she said, when I go back up, I will announce it. You listen carefully and you need to be in there. So she talked about AFM fellowship. That was August or November, 2004. And she said, the next module is in Orlando in December. I signed up, I went. And the rest is history because with that, I kept going and going and going. And, and you were, and if correct me where I'm wrong, but I think you were the first pharmacist to graduate from the fellowship for A4M, were you not? Yes, I was the first 90 fellow that graduated from a A4M fellowship uh, back in 2007. And because we're the first graduating class, Suzanne Summer actually came and speak at our graduation ceremony and invited all 90 of us for a private reception with her. That was wow. cool. That was really, that would have been really fun. And yeah. so since 2007, you got your fellowship, but then from there, you almost kind of accelerated what you were doing. You're, you were starting to pull in everything that you had at your disposal nutrition, uh, compounding, hormone consults, pain consults. And because you'd already established a consulting sort of um, practice, really you were just picking up those different pieces and putting them in where they needed for each individual patient. Correct. And, and then from there, because that was in 2007, 2008, that you really started uh, picking up speed. Then you started talking for us. Yes. Then you were doing pain talks. Then you were doing hormone talks. Then you were, and it just kind of started growing. So from 97 to yeah. 2007 was your growth and education phase, but yes. you're constantly growing in 90, sorry, in 2007 to 2008 is where you started expanding. And, and I kind of want to say, because there's more to this story because you, you grew from there. Yeah. So, and Cindy, by the to, way, I also I want to point out, Cindy sorry. is a pharmacist and she is equally involved. She has come to all these education things. She is an equal force. So this is the Cindy and Dennis show. It just got to be clear. So keep going. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's the thing because I'm visionary. I don't look at the consequences. I see this, I'm going to do this. And she's the one that planned everything behind the scene. And she will say, okay, do this because do that because don't do this because she's the reason and she's the brain behind everything. For me is I see this and I'm jumping at it. And she's saying, okay, if you want to jump, how high do you want to jump? How many step ladder do you need? All of that behind the scene. So absolutely, it's a team effort. One of the things that I wanted to kind of pull back, people say, oh, okay, so Dennis already established the you know, consult business and that's why he can do all these things. We can't. Well, I did not start a consult business overnight. With the compounding and working with the pain uh, specialists in the city, I, we got to know by all the other pharmacy in the city that Dennis and Cindy know pain. 
So when there's patients that go to other pharmacy for pain staff, and when they cannot handle it anymore, they actually started referring patients to us saying, go talk to Dennis. So that's how people were starting coming to me saying, well, my pharmacist told me, you know pain better than them, can you help? And so one pain patient, when she came to us, she was 65 something year old lady with severe stomach cramp and pain to the point that got admitted to hospital. Pain specialist did not know what's going on with the pain, but he uh, gave her the ketamine or a liquid, compounded liquid to control the pain. Nobody in the city knew how to do it. So I got it, I compounded it for them. I make sure that I flavored it enough so it's not bitter that she can take it. That improved the pain, but she was still bad bound because she was still in pain. So the daughter actually came to me and said, my pharmacist said, I should talk to you, see what you can do for me, for my mom. That was Friday. And so we close on we close the pharmacy on Sunday. We always been that's a day of, you know, day off for us. And so I told the lady that, okay, your mom can't come out of the house. So I'll come to your house on Sunday. So I went to their house on Sunday at 10 o'clock. At that time, I already learned from Peter Ford and how black men about trucker point. After the lady told me about how her mom is and where the pains are, I told her, I said, I know what to do. So I went to their house with five syringes of trichoplane gel, 40-38. If people know trichoplane gel, 40-38, that's Peter Ford branding. George Ranch is different name, but it's the same thing. So I went with 4038 gel in my hand and found eight trucker point on the front stomach area and found eight trucker point at the back. Within an hour, she sat up from the bed. Within an hour and a half, she won't let me leave. She just keep talking to me. So I sit there and talk to her and just watch her. Within an hour and a half, she got out of the bed. She went to the shop, pulled out three big uh, photo album that was about three inch binders and start showing me her garden and greenhouse that she's been gardening before that she has not been able to do that for three years because of her pain. And she said, this summer, I'm going to restart my greenhouse. By the time she allowed me to go home was 3.30 in the afternoon. And the daughter came into the pharmacy on Monday with a checkbook and said, how much do, how much do I owe you? And I'm like, no, you don't owe me anything. She said, no, you just took care of my mom for eight hours. I need to pay you. So I said $125. She wrote the check for me. I was so happy. I talked to my accountant. I literally phoned my accountant right away and said, I just got payment for patient consultation for $125. And on the other end of the phone, my accountant said, how many hours did you spend with the patient? I said, well, 10 in the morning until 3.30 in the afternoon. So he said, divide that with 125. I said, okay. He said, how much is pharmacist wages an hour right now? I, at that time was $40. I said, $40. That time was $35. So I said, $35. When I divided 125 at the time that I spent, it was less than an hour of pharmacist wage. And he said, you lost money. <laughs> so my fees started going up. And people will keep paying. Actually, today... I got patient at uh, 9.30, and because we're going to be doing this podcast, I reschedule it to the afternoon. And this patient was referred by another patient. And, and you extended this from beyond pain. You're doing hormone consults, nutritional consults, uh, pediatric care consults. You're doing, obviously, like kind of like 
what are you not consulting on in the pharmacy world? This is better, it's a shorter well, list, I think. In 2000, and by 2009, my patient load, the, the age range was, I'm seeing patients as young as two years old to as old as 70 years old for hormones, for mood issue, for hair loss, for weight loss, fibromyalgia, ADD, ADHD, uh, compressed disc fracture, anything under the sun. I will not say no to anybody. If anybody has health issue nobody can fix, I will look at them and I will try and talk to them and discuss and try to figure that out. And, and I have patient that uh, with uh, fibromyalgia that Mayo Clinic could not do anything for five years. I treated with the lifestyle and nutrition, not even medication within six months. And, and I think this is where it gets really interesting is that it was almost like you leveraged your compounding into a clinical practice and now you're leveraging your clinical practice back into compounding. And so you keep building upon each piece in success. Yes. Uh, and successful steps forward because my understanding now with it, and I'm, I'm going to ask some more interesting questions. Um, you now have how many pharmacies? And you, you... I got uh, two pharmacy right now. Mm -hmm. uh, at one point, I actually had three pharmacy and own a medical clinic. Yep. And I spread it a little bit too thin. So I sold off my pharmacy and medical clinic together, which is in one building. That was a uh, 3,400 square footage uh, space that I had pharmacy and a uh, medical clinic. So now I'm back down to two pharmacy. And I started the, my own nutritional company in Canada. And I think that this is where it gets uh, really interesting because we've had you speak for us since the mid 2000s. You're still active there. You're providing uh, consultations. You've got two pharmacies going and you're still taking care of all these patients in your community. And it's almost like, where do you have time? And then of course, we, I think about like the fact that you've got Cindy and you've got your, the boys at home and there's so much going. And what's amazing is that you're still continuing to learn it's not just, okay, I'm done. Like 2007, I'm, eh, I've got my fellowship, it's over. You still have been picking up more education and more, more, um, more paradigms of, of, of treatment. So it's, it, it just keeps growing. And it, it's just, it's fantastic, Dennis. It's so fun. Thank you. So it, it's always what's blown me away. You know, even hearing your story, Dennis, <clears throat> the main takeaways are how you got started, the tools that you had at your fingertips were not obvious. Um, you know, you networked correctly. You, you tapped into some brilliant minds around you. They were obviously amazing networkers as well because they shared a lot with you and they imparted a lot of that knowledge into your business because it was non-competitive. You know, Absolutely. seeing you thrive in Winnipeg made no difference to Peter in Moncton and it made no difference to George Wrench in New Hampshire. Um, it was all about the camaraderie that PCCA membership shared with one another. And then that led to your ability to further your education, you know, being one of the original 90 fellows of A4M and then the continuing education that you've applied, not from only from the speaker's point of view, but you don't stop learning as well. So there's been a lot of successes and, you know, your journey hasn't been perfect, but none, none really is. But knowing where you are right now, thinking about how you can position a nutritional line, how you focus on consulting, is not also a conventional model to compounding pharmacy. It is, it is slightly unconventional because you, you have additional revenue sources that are not just customized medications. It's, it's beyond that. And you know, if you were to give any advice to somebody who's starting out or somebody who's been doing this for five years, what do you think that they should be looking at um, to complement the, the customized, personalized medical, medical model? And how would you encourage them to start off their you know, consultation business so they can then promote other nutritional products as well and have additional revenue streams? Absolutely. Um, the key thing is, I guess, a few key points. First of all, you have to make sure that you are interested and you're going to 
give enough time if you need to learn more. Don't just do consultation just because I'm doing it and I'm thriving it. If you're not interested and you're not going to give the time, you're not going to get this going. Like I said, initially when I was, before I even started doing consultation, when I was learning from you know, PCC and Peter Ford and George Schrench and Matt, I was staying up, investing my time because I couldn't afford to fly to US for conferences at that time because we don't have conferences in Canada at that time because PCC was fairly new to Canada. Everything is in Houston. So my only way of learning is reading the discussion forum that Peter and George and Matt moderating. And the only time I had to do that was my bedtime. So I cut my bedtime out every night, spending up to two to three in the morning, reading and learning because I want this. If you don't want the thing bad enough, you will not do it. I just did the uh, 30 seconds post yesterday. I said, if you don't want to be mediocre, then you need to be uncomfortable at your dream and your pursuit. If you're comfortable, you will always be mediocre. So for me was doing that, staying up until two, three in the morning. I don't recommend it. If that's absolutely needed, do that. Because like I said, I literally got sick after a couple of years. My health totally went down, but I did that to learn it. So first thing is, do you, what do you want to do? Second thing is, don't look at, if I do that, how much money I'm going to make? What you have to look at is, if you are interested in certain area, is your clientele need that? What do they need? You have to match what they need and you have to match what you want to provide. When that match, how are you going to provide that service? How do you want to serve? Because if you remember, I said, when we started the pharmacy, Walmart came in, everybody said, we're going to go down. What we provided that carried us over was flavoring to all these babies. We created the flavor menu. After we joined PCC, my flavor menu from 50 become 120. And when these kids are sick, went to the doctor on the way home, they literally said, I want to go into the pharmacy myself because I want to choose the flavor. We were known as a Baskin Robbins of pharmacy for antibiotic. And then the next thing was when BHRT came into play, everybody was coming to us. If I'm not interested, I wouldn't do it and I won't do it this good. I'm interested enough that I spend the time and dig with the patient and learning what's actually triggering it. I don't just do hormones. Right now in my pharmacy, if patient come and do consultation with me, you don't get hormone therapy right off the bat. They have to work with me for at least three months for their lifestyles and stress and menu planning. After three months, that does not work. You give it 100%, that does not work. Then I will then do hormone testing. So that's the key, right? You need to know the area that your patient need and is that area your interest? Because I had other pharmacists uh, you know, over the years contact me and say, oh, I want to start the consult business. Can you share your protocol? I smiled and said, what is your patient need? Protocols, nothing when your patient does not need it, right? It's not going to work. So I said, Let, let's get on the phone. Give me an hour. I'll talk to you, give you some idea. I have a couple of pharmacists that set up the call with me. When I call them, their technician said, oh, he or she is too busy right now. They can't talk to you then you are never going to start your consult business. If you want to start something, you cannot just, oh, I'm going to, you know, 
do it at my convenience. If you don't commit the time and mindset, forget it. Don't do it. So, and I, I kind of want to touch back to this because this was a very interesting point and I, and I also want to be very respectful of your time. Um, you did say committing to that effort, being uncomfortable with that effort. Um, yes. Again, crucial pieces there, education, development of yourself, and then spending time with your patient, blocks of time. And it's very weird for a pharmacist to think that I have to charge for my time because all they're thinking is behind the counter and filling scripts and filling scripts. Yeah. But dedicating that time, I think that that was one of the, the the pieces that kind of stands out to me is how did you carve out time from your practice to spend with patients? Where did you find that time? You have to really, you know, as we were growing, I was able to have a couple of full-time pharmacists because my goal was I want to do consult and clinical and nutrition. That's since I graduated, but even before I graduated from the pharmacy, I wanted to do clinical. So I actually trying to get into hospital practice because when I graduated, the only time you can do clinical, the only place you can do clinical was hospital. I was a C plus student. So none of the hospital would hire me. They were looking for A plus student. For them is, if you want to work in the hospital, you have to be sharp. You have to be really good at clinical. And the only people really good at clinical and their mind was A plus student. So I never got into hospital. And so I told myself in the community, I'm gonna create my own clinical practice. So my goal always being, and you have to be, that's why I said, you have to be uncomfortable what you want to do. You have to be able to dare to push a bit. When I hired the pharmacist, Cindy and I looked at each other and said, we can really afford it. But I pre-calculated saying, if I see this many patients a day and charge this much, I can pay for this pharmacist. Then let's do it. We always look at it saying, if I want to do something, how can I increase the business or potential business increase? Would this sustain us? Because it has to be, otherwise, you know, you can do it. You're going to lose the business, right? It's the necessary evil. So that's how we always look at it. And if you feel comfortable, you're not going to grow. If you want to grow, you got to try to do and you got to try to, you know, dream something big that you're not doing it. Like Bob Proctor is one of the uh, mindset coach. And he always said that in his coaching that, if you want to do something that you already done, guess what? You're not going to do it. If you want to do something that you have not done and you feel uncomfortable and you want it enough, you'll push it. So that's where, you know, my step-by-step. -step. When I was learning nutritional stuff, after learning from Peter Ford, I thought, okay, I, I know pretty good. Peter said, no, you're not enough yet. You need to go to learn from metagenics. So I literally, Cindy and I literally went to Vancouver to attend our first metagenic training. 23 people in the class who were the only two pharmacists. And that naturopathic doctor that teaching at the front, whatever she's talking about, again, Cindy and I has, had no idea and we did not understand a thing at all. So at the end, we went and talked to her and she said, you should go to Seattle next month. There's a one day lecture by Dr. Jeffrey Bland. He's the founder of functional medicine and owner and creator of metagenics. You have to go. So we literally flew to Seattle. Came out with a headache in the lecture room. There was 500 people. And he went through when he came onto the stage, Jeffrey Bland put up his first slide. And for first hour, he talked about study that he read this morning at six o'clock instead of his presentation. And then he get into his presentation. And after that, Cindy and I said, yeah, gotta go learn more. And so Cindy said, okay, 
I will look after the operation. You learn because you're good at talking to people. I'm good at planning. So we split it that way. So even though I'm doing all the speakings and learning, and you know I'm the friend, she's doing all that base walk and leg walk for me, and saying, "Okay, let's do." This. So we always discuss. Okay, what else? You know, and we always play uh, from each other energy and mindset. That's awesome. It is awesome. It's like, I, I think, Dennis, I think about your story, too. You're saying that you're about to celebrate your 25th anniversary. You've been a member of PCCA for 21 years. What's next? The next, actually, is I'm actually trying to put my consult program online so that I can reach more people. As I said before, both of you probably know I'm on social media almost every night. We haven't said it yet, I'm but on, I, that was going to be my, my, my parting plug because I do want people to reach out to you and also connect with you on Facebook. But we'll, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I want to yeah, hear from you yeah, first. Absolutely. So when COVID happened, everything shut down. You cannot do you know training and stuff anymore. And for me, I was started learning about mindset training and stuff. So I got on to virtual event. So I've been training with Tony Robbins group and getting coaching done. There's a few pharmacists and PCC member, Bobby Muniz, one of them that did the whole Tony Robbins coaching and training together with me. And so I've been doing that. And from that, and also I'm learning from other uh, mentor like Sachin Patel in uh, Toronto doing functional medicine, uh, general online training and stuff, I'm trying to put my stuff online. So I started doing Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, social media, and I started doing every day. And I am now 950 days straight. The interesting thing is I'm going to get back to this. Okay, you know, what do you really want to do and who's your clients and who's your patient and what do they need? It's the key because a year ago I started TikTok because I was told by my mentors and social media that you need to get into TikTok. This is where the business are going. Six months, I do TikTok video. I got about uh, 200, 300 likes, and I got about 200 followers for the first six months. I was ready to give up. And then I'm thinking, because the first six months, I'm saying, I need to get more people on TikTok. I need to get more people on TikTok. How do I get more people? So I'm looking at other people, what they're doing. I'm trying to imitate what they're doing. Guess what? Be yourself. I try to do music. I want to do lip sync. I couldn't do anything. Nobody likes mine. Nobody view mine. Six months ago, I decided, you know what? No. What do I know? Who do I want to serve? So I started talking about health and wellness. I started talking about GI dysfunction and how GI dysfunction affect your brain, your mood, your pain, your sleep. And I'm one of those, like you, you know, you asked me initially before we started, oh, did you have a chance to listen to our podcast? If podcasts are less than a minute, I will listen to everything <laughs> because I'm that busy. Yeah, for sure. I don't have time. So I cut my TikTok video to less than a minute. My TikTok videos are as short as 12 seconds, which is what I did last night, 12 second video to 54 seconds. Everything is less than a minute. My 12 second video last night, I posted in TikTok, I posted in Instagram, I posted in Facebook Reel. On Instagram this morning, my last night 12 second post got over 2000 views already. Oh, wow. That's crazy. So you have to look at who do you want to serve? What do you want to what do you have that is valuable for them? And if you pour into them, 
that will come. And with that, I've actually run two seventy challenge in January and in December. December seventy challenge I ran was exactly a week before Christmas. I got hundred people in the challenge, and I just finished another seventy challenge just end of January. I got ninety people in there. Now I'm trying to get these people. I got program for ten weeks online program coaching program group program that I put together from based on learning from Sachin Patel and other pharmacists that are doing it and other physicians doing it. I got one people who want to sign up now. So I'm moving toward that and I'm going to monetize that. My online program initially that 10 weeks, I'm going to be selling at $300 initially. When I get going, that program's going to be actually $2,500 a person. Yeah, it's going to be That's amazing. where I'm going. <laughs> and honestly, from based upon your education experience, $2,500 is going to be a bargain. Yeah. I already know it. Yeah, and totally see it. I think... So, the is- more people like right now, everybody is virtual, mm-hmm. right? And we don't know how quickly it's going to open up. Even if it's open up, it's going to be different. So, I'm trying to reach online. And with that... Right now on TikTok, I have twenty seven point three thousand follower. So what's your six months? What is your handle Jeez. on TikTok so people can find you as well? Sinden RX. Sinden RX, and then I know a lot of your live content personally because of Facebook. So they can, knowing you, Dennis, you're probably going to accept absolutely anybody who um, requests you as a friend. Um, absolutely. So how can Come they find on you down. on Facebook? Is Facebook through SyndenRx as well, or is it through just Dennis uh, Wong? Facebook is Dennis Wong. Yeah, so Dennis Wong, owner of Syndex, uh, SyndenRx in Winnipeg, Manitoba. So if you do need to narrow down your search to find Dennis. And then Instagram is also SyndenRx, I believe, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah. See the synergy there? This is like what Peter Koshlin was talking about. Having a presence mm-hmm. and being able to be found is, is a crucial piece. And if you want to know what's going on tomorrow follow Dennis today. Yeah. And you, and you, when you say that you did 930 days of content, because I'm, I've been your friend for a long time, Dennis, you pop up in my feed nightly. And I'm like, Dennis is just dropping a knowledge bomb one after another, and he doesn't stop. And it's, it's amazing free content. And it's just a really great way for people to know how knowledgeable you are and how much they can get from you. And I have no doubt that you're, you're going to succeed. I know f- for the sake of time, Dennis, I, I can't thank you enough uh, to come on and to share your story because I think it's such a powerful one. It's a different one, and I think a lot of people can get a lot out of what your journey was and you know try to improve on it. And I know how open you are, and I definitely encourage anyone that whoever meets you to definitely have that conversation with you and, and sit down and you know, so that you can share back because I know that's who you are. Absolutely. I, you know, like I said, my first major learning experience was meeting uh, George Ranch and Peter Ford and Ken McLeod and they poured into me and this is how I learned it. And later on, I get to meet Matt personally and he's the same, right? They all share. So for me, is the more we can share, the more we can help people. And we opened our pharmacy. The key thing was because we want to serve that cancer patient the way we want to serve. And you have to go from that mindset. Yes, you need to make business decision, but you cannot just make business decision because I know many people that make business decision and open up the pharmacy that no longer there. <clears throat> it's great advice. And I, I just wanted to say, by the way, Dennis, I know that you were giving a lot of thanks to your mentors and the people who have come before you. Uh, personally, I want to say thank you to you. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's cool to watch both of you chat um, when you're not on oh. a microphone or at an event. And, <laughs> and how much and, I'm like, tell me more, tell me more. I need to learn. I look at Seb and I'm like, everyone learns from him. And I'm like, and he looks at you and he's like, no, it's like almost like you guys are are Jedi's. It's it, it's with different ranks. Well, he's like he's like uh, he, he's like Yoda, and I would be like 
maybe uh, who Ray is well, the most well, recent. Nah, you're like, like, I don't know. I'm way down the list. <laughs> we won't go down the Star Wars references, but in reality, it's it is pretty cool to see how everyone imparts their knowledge to to the next group of individuals who are willing to learn and and apply that for patient care. But Dennis, like I said, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, it means a lot. I, I, we did mention the the handles for how to find you. So on Facebook, I'm just going to repeat it. Uh, Dennis Wong, Sinden RX um, is the name of the pharmacy, and Sinden RX is your handle on Instagram and on TikTok. Any other platforms that we're missing? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, we can find you as well. And you're yeah. probably sharing a lot there, but I, I know a majority of the cool stuff that you do from a content perspective is TikTok, it's on Instagram. Our Facebook, and TikTok, and Instagram. Yeah. Awesome, and I think you might have some followers after this episode drops. But just th thanks again for doing this, Dennis. It's uh, it's been great to see you virtually and to have you on the podcast. Absolutely, this is my pleasure. It's exciting always to talk to you guys and share information. Well, thanks again, and thank you to all of our listeners out there. I hope you got a lot from Dennis's journey and his ability to constantly be learning and always applying a new innovative way to helping patients. And I think that's really the moral of the story. Uh, for those that don't subscribe to the podcast, hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. And reminder, as always, to follow us on our own socials via LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, until next time, thanks again for listening. This is Mike Delicio. We'll talk to you soon.